You're listening to the Lean Six Sigma for Good podcast. We help you learn how Lean and Six Sigma concepts can be applied to nonprofits, NGOs, and not-for-profit organizations. Visit us at LeanSixSigmaForGood.com. Welcome to Environmentally Concerned Nation, the environmental show that goes way beyond water cooler climate debates. This podcast features the science, policy, politics, law, engineering, and public opinion that matters to you. Why? Because you are in control of the environment and no one else. Yes, you decide to go green or vegan. Our collective choices will determine the fate of our children. Welcome our host, DJ Vignetti. DJ is an environmental, civil, and water resources engineer. But this show is not about him, but about the fate of young and future generations to come. Welcome to Episode 5 of Environmentally Concerned Nation. In this episode, Brian Hurley and I discuss implementing Lean Six Sigma so that you can improve your business bottom line. So if you want to improve return of investment by optimizing business processes, learn the environmental impact of process ways and increase business profits while you help the environment that you move from where you are. Welcome, Brian. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. So can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, I think what I'll add to what you already covered was, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to get into when I went to school. I tried a couple of different majors and what I landed on was math and statistics. Okay. And I really liked it. So I tried to figure out well, how am I going to use this when I get a, you know, have to go look for a real job. And I kind of landed at an aerospace company and they had a need for statistics training. And basically what I did was teach a lot of the engineers and the support team about statistics that they took in classes, but they didn't really get a chance to maybe apply or could figure out how to apply it to their work. So my job is really to help translate what they learned into real world applications of their job. So that's what I was basically doing was being a statistical support person for a lot of people in the company. And with that led to a bigger initiative around how do we fix all our processes, not just the manufacturing part. So started to teach classes at the company and work with other departments to say, everybody has processes, everybody can collect data on their processes, and we should be using that data to improve it. And so I spent about 18 years at different locations in uh, Iowa and Oregon and Florida, uh, just learning and practicing and getting hopefully getting better and better at uh, how I can teach people and help coach them on improving their process. That's great. But how did it all started in the environmental side? Yeah. So probably 15 years ago, uh -huh. when I started to notice some of the environmental problems going on. I became aware of like climate change and reading about more about pollution and water quality or the dirtiness of the energy sources that we're using, like coal and, and the impact it has on the climate. And so what I noticed was there was data. And then what I made the connection to was, hey, I know what to do with data. That's what I've been working on in terms of fixing yield problems and inventory problems at work. What if I could use my skills to work on environmental problems? You know, how much stuff going to the landfill? Well, I know how to look at data and break it down and 
and look for opportunities in that. So I got excited and started to look at what could I do inside my company to get more involved with the sustainability efforts. So I reached out to a couple of people and made some connections and started to work through getting involved in some green teams at different locations that I worked at. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really where I got excited that, hey, this is something I'm passionate about and it's something I, I think I can assist with. That's great. So let's start in order to understand the reasoning behind Lean and Six Sigma. Okay. What is Lean thinking? Yeah, so Lean is a methodology that was evolved from studying and looking at what the Japanese companies, specifically Toyota, they're the kind of ones that were most researched. They're trying to figure out why did they make this monumental improvement in their manufacturing quality for electronics and automobiles mm -hmm. from the 50s through the 60s to the 1970s and 80s to the point that they were now beating and providing better quality products at a lower cost than the American automobile manufacturers. And they were kind of caught off guard. And so there was a lot of research that went into what were they doing? And the term they came up with was called lean. And that involves a process of really engaging the employees in helping solve problems and looking at the processes in a new way to see the opportunities that maybe a lot of companies were not looking and noticing. So it's just kind of a, a way of looking at a process a little differently than what people naturally look at it. That's awesome. There's a five lean principles. I mean, can you tell us about it, Dale? You bet. Yeah, so the first step is to first determine, am I providing value? So is this something that the customer wants? And it all starts there because if we determine that it's not something they want, then every process step goes along with that non-value added activity is a waste of time and effort. So we first want to verify, is this what you want, customer? Is this really the things that you are, are reasons why you're buying this product or this service? Next, we look at it and say, okay, now that I understand that this is important things and we're, we are providing something they want, what are the steps that it goes through all the way from the order from the customer, all the way through the processes across all the different departments involved? And just let's look at the process in that perspective. We often look at processes very narrow, like what happens in shipping? What happens in procurement? What happens in production? what happens in the office paperwork side. But we don't always connect all those processes together. And that's where you'll see a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities where there's handoffs from one group to another and the process fails and gets uh, stuck. And it's kind of falls between the cracks and the customer is waiting and nobody really notices that it's stuck. And so you look at the value stream to help uncover these problem areas that you don't always see naturally. I see. Then it goes to flow, which is how do you get the process to go smoothly so there isn't delays and hiccups along the way so that the customer gets as quick as re of a response as possible because speed is really important for most customers. And then we move to pull, which is how do you wait until you get signals from the prior processes that you can move forward in your process. So you wait for some kind of notification. Traditionally, what we do is we just work on something and we shove it to the next person. Whereas Paul would say, you don't go to the next process until the person says they're ready for it. 
because all you're going to do is just create a pile of work for them. So you wait until they're ready for it, then you hand it over to them. And that creates a lot less, it connects all the processes together much more smoothly. Yeah, I saw that. And then the final part is just perfection, which is you never stop improving. You can never be perfect. So you just keep improving over and over and keep going through that cycle. I kind of um, uh, looked at it like, what do you mean uh, perfection? You know what I'm saying? I mean, like you can strive for perfection, but you're never going to reach it. I saw that and it kind of chucked me, you know, but, but I don't understand what you're saying. Though. That's great. Great that you had that down. What is a push and pull process and how does it differ from the five lean principles? Yes, it's two of those five principles. So you first start with flow, which is basically a push system. And so the idea is you kind of move the process forward when you're done with it. So let's say that someone hands you a document and you have to fill in information on the document and then forward it to the next person. So flow says when it shows up, you work on it right away and you move it on to the next point. And you just do one at a time so that you're not batching your work. And, and batching is a big problem with Lean because it holds up the process. People like to do a stack of things at once. And that slows down the whole process for each customer. So we try to break that and say, do one thing and move it on so that the next person can get started on that item. Whether that's purchase order or a design drawing or it's a manufactured product or it's a email. You know, we want to do things in very small amounts of work and move them on to the next step as quickly as we can. So flow is kind of aligned with the push system that you just move it on when you're done. Pull, you can't move it on until the next person says, I'm ready for it. And that's a big shift in the process. But what it allows you to do is if you see that the next person is not ready for it, you go off and do something else. You don't just keep shoving more work at them or you go help them. You say, what can I do to help you get unstuck so that we can help deliver to our customer faster? So pull is a much further along, more mature way of running your process, but it helps you make sure you're not doing too much of one thing that's only going to go to the next process and sit there for a long time. So it helps you uncover problems in your process much easier than if you just keep pushing the process through. Okay. That's great. Can you tell us what are the eight ways of limb thinking better known as Tim Woods? Tim Woods, yeah, that's uh, an, one of the acronyms that was created to help people remember the eight types of waste. So if you are looking at one of your processes, I encourage people to try and, and think through these wastes. And if you spot them, that means there's an opportunity there that you could possibly make your process more lean. And so the, each of the letters stands for a different word that might be a waste in your process. So T is for transportation where you see things moving around, we want to challenge and say, is that really necessary to move things around? Maybe it's being done unnecessarily, or we could bring things closer to each other so it doesn't have to travel as far. Inventory is means that there's something stuck in the process because things are piling up. So it could be you have a, a, a large number of emails in your inbox. That means there's a backlog of things that you haven't gotten to read yet. So. That means there's uh, more coming in than you can handle, and maybe that's a problem. Motion, you know, maybe I have to click 17 times in my computer to get to the file I need. Is there a way I can find a shortcut to that? That requires less motion and more less 
activity and, and more, less movement on my screen. W is waiting. If I'm waiting for someone to get back to me or waiting for someone to return from break or from vacation, how come they're the only ones who has the answers? How do we get it so other people can answer those questions and I don't have to wait for that person? Over-processing would be like going above and beyond what the customer really wants. And you think that they like this value that you're providing, but it might be a waste of time because they don't care about that extra work that you're putting into it. It's like an overkill. Yeah, it's overkill. And it's, it, we think it's good. And so we put all this extra time and effort into it. And it's just slowing down the process because they could care less. Overproduction would be working ahead too early on something because there's a risk that things change and you don't need it anymore. And I think we experienced this with COVID, that there's a lot of planning and work that was done anticipating a normal year. And then you have something like that happen. And then all that work is out the door because we have to redo our whole plan because we were working on things way in advance of when we needed to actually start working on it. Got so it. all that effort was wasted, basically. And then S is kind of an optional one that people add in, but it's uh, for skills. Meaning, are we leveraging people fully? Are we picking their brains for ideas? Are we asking for their input? Are we involving them in the work? Are we just telling them to just follow the rules and do what you're told? That's not a good use of their talents and skills. We got lots of people in your organization, perhaps, that have, have ideas. And how do we pull those ideas out of everyone's head so we can make the processes run better? Yeah, I believe this... Tim Wood thing comes from Toyota, no? Is that right? And they didn't use the, the last one in their process, and then somebody added it in the 90s. Yeah, it was, I think what they, they were naturally better at doing that, and so it was less of a problem. And then when they translated it over to the Western cultures, and the, yeah. they realized that, well, we don't do a very good job of that, so we need to add that in because we don't we don't we don't leverage our employees very well. Yeah, you're right. So they had to add that definitely. Okay, which are the environmental impact of these waves? Yeah, so the thing that I really noticed was in some documentation that the, our United States Environmental Protection Agency put together mm -hmm. about the time when I started get concerned about the environment. There was some work that they did to promote Lean and Six Sigma as a way to reduce environmental impacts to companies. And they published those seven or eight types of waste. And then they put together a little table that said, here's what the environmental impact is for each of those. So for example, like defects, that means you might have to throw away material. And that means it's going to go into the landfill or it's going to have to be put into like a hazardous container And then it's going to have to be protected and, and stored and all that creates some environmental impact. Yes, it does. Or if you have a lot of excess inventory, that means you have to have more space to store these items. And then someone has to light the space and heat and cool the space. And that requires energy. And so all these wastes have an environmental impact to it. So just by improving your processes, you're probably going to naturally reduce your environmental impact as well. Awesome. What is Six Sigma? Yeah, so Six Sigma was a response to the lean initiative that was coming from Japan. And they were looking at some of the techniques that were very popular around World War II, but were forgotten. 
And so it was around data collection and data analysis and statistical tools and quality improvement tools. And they put together a program at Motorola to try to be competitive with the electronics industry and basically the competitors in Japan who were beating them on reliability, cost, and quality. So they put together a program that was about around how, what, how you work through problems in a more methodical way using statistical tools. And so that became pretty popular in the mid 80s and 90s. And that's where a lot of my training was started when I started to learn about statistics. That was a large part of the Six Sigma program. Okay. I understand that Six Sigma come from the number of standard deviation from a normal process. Can you give us an example of hand an entrepreneur that is not literate in statistical mathematics and start implementing this improvement on their own? Yeah. So, you know, that, that can be a little scary for people when they start talking about data and statistics, right? Some people really gravitate to numbers and others don't like it at all. They get scared off by the numbers a little it. bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. that's okay. So at a very simple level, you don't have to jump right into statistics right away. What Six Sigma says is first understand what the problem is and make sure you understand what you're trying to accomplish and be, let's be clear about the issue. So do you have customers that are upset? Do you have costs that are too high? Do you have processes that take too long? Do you have uh, risks that you haven't dealt with yet that could come and impact your business? So first let's figure out what the problem is and then If we can get some data, that will really help us solve the problem. If not, then we'll have to gather the right people together to talk through and try to figure out ways we can improve. So there's statistical tools and there's also non-statistical tools involved with it. And uh, so for someone starting off, I think the main thing would be first, you know, can you measure things about your process to see how you're doing? So do you have customer feedback? Do you have... Uh, measurements of how long it takes you from the time you get an order from a customer until you fulfill that order. Those are some basic metrics you can collect. And then what is your cost and what is the uh, overhead of your processes to operate them? And, and the so those could be, yeah. And those yeah. can be starting points for collecting data. And then what Six Sigma says is let's look at how that data changes every day, every week, every month, and look at the variability. And the pattern and how that variability occurs can highlight potential opportunities or problems in your process. And so let's collect the data and then let's study the data. And that will help us maybe identify and solve problems that are affecting our business. Great. Oh, what is the relationship between Lean Thinking and Six Sigma? Yeah, I think a lot of people are saying that there is some overlap, probably since like the early 2000s. There's been a, an effort to try to merge these initiatives together, but they are different, but there is some commonality. The commonality is that they're both focused on customer improvement and customer satisfaction. They both utilize data. Six Sigma is a little heavier on the data analysis piece, but yeah. Lean also uses data quite a bit. So there are some, um, they both involve teams. So we don't just do things on our own. We involve other people in our organization to participate and learn and, and understand and solve problems. But for Lean, I would say it's a little heavier on building relationships and developing people to help solve problems 
and where Six Sigma is a little heavier on getting very detailed data to solve more difficult, complex problems. And together they can complement each other pretty well, but they are different methodologies. And so what I've seen mainly is that the Six Sigma approach has tried to incorporate more lean into it going forward. If you like this topic, please check out Lean Six Sigma for Good, Lessons from the Gemba. Volume one is released and available through Amazon. We will soon have an audible version coming out early in 2020, and we're working on volume two as we speak. Volume one has eight chapters written by different authors who share their experiences applying Lean and Six Sigma to not-for-profit organizations. What is Lean Six Sigma? Yeah, so then that's what probably the last 10, 20 years, there's been an effort to try to merge them together into one program. And I would say it's primarily Six Sigma has brought in Lean into its skill set and into its tool set. Whereas I think Lean, the traditional Lean has maybe brought in a little bit of Six Sigma, but stayed pretty focused on the methodology that has been pretty popular. Again, there is overlap there, but primarily Lean Six Sigma is taking Six Sigma and inserting in lean elements and lean thinking into it. Okay. How does Lean Six Sigma fulfill goal number 12 of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, responsible consumption and production? Yeah, so that's what I really try to focus in on is what can I do to impact those sustainable development goals? So there are 17 goals that have been established mm -hmm. and deal with issues like inequality and hunger and poverty and clean energy. And so I think, you know, if we climate were to, change, yeah. yeah, climate change, if we were able to put all of our efforts towards those goals, we're going to make some great improvements as a society and as a global um, organ, you know, as a Indeed. The whole world, right? Yeah. So one of those goals is number 12, the sustainable consumption and production. And underneath that, there are some efforts to reduce things like food waste which is, you know, inefficient use of food, where we spend all this effort growing food and then we lose food along the way from the time we grow it, to pick it, to process it, transport it, to get it to the shelf. Yeah, and there's inefficiencies along the way. And the more we can improve those inefficiencies, the less food is wasted, the more we can get to people. Maybe we can lower the cost because there's more available there. And we, we can deal with things like hunger and we can deal with things like poverty. And we don't have the climate impact of having food go into the landfill where it breaks down and turns into methane. So it's not only goal number 12 you're fulfilling here. I mean, you're like covering a lot of bases with what you do. And that's another thing with some of these improvement methods is you can't look at them in isolation. There are so many connectivity connections between these different activities you do. When you do something over here, it affects here and here and here as well. And we have to understand that it all everything operates in a system. It's not just isolated activity. So if I change my process and how I do things, I might be impacting I might be impacting people downstream from my process in a negative way. And I have to be cognizant of that and be aware of that and talk to people and say, I'm going to change my form. Is that going to affect you? And if so, I can't change my form that way. I have to come up with a different idea. And so just like with uh, reducing energy is another goal for uh, number 12. How do I, 
look for opportunities in the data? Can I pull data from our energy usage and look for spikes in the data that highlight where we're using way too much energy? Maybe it's telling us that we have equipment that's about to break down or that we're leaving equipment running at night. And those are opportunities to improve. There's also some things with, uh, you know, moving to an economy that isn't so consumption based. What if we can move to things like reusable and things like, uh, I, and when I was running a nonprofit in Portland called Recycling Advocates, that one of the campaigns I, I worked on was called the coffee cup reduction. And we were trying to get people to bring their coffee cups to coffee shops. Instead of everyone getting a disposable paper cup, if you bring your own cup, then you can reuse that cup over and over and over again. And we're not spending our time and money on making more paper cups, but instead we're reusing items. So that all goes into goal number 12, to look for more sustainable ways that we can still have an economy that isn't damaging the environment. Okay. So what does the acronym WASTE, w -A -S -T -E, stand for and why is it relevant to Lean Six Sigma? Yeah, so this was really powerful. I, I took a course called the Green Manufacturing Specialist. And okay. what that was is a way to kind of connect manufacturing with environment. And I took it at the Purdue University and they introduced this acronym WASTE, which is an acronym that are a word that we use in process improvement. Okay. And, but they use the letters to represent environmental impacts. So W is for water. A is for air emissions or pollution. S is for solid waste, like things that would go to the landfill, go in your trash or rubbish. Uh, T is for toxins, like hazardous waste materials or, you know, pollutants. And E is for energy. And so that's a great place to start when you're thinking about where, what are my environmental impacts as a business is to look at those five areas to start with and remember that acronym and say, how much water am I using? Do I pollute something into the air? What do I throw away in the trash and that goes to the landfill? How much hazardous material do I generate? If I do, maybe I, hopefully I, you don't have any hazardous material. And then how much energy am I consuming in my business? And these might be your impact on the environment. And anything you could do to lower those will, will help you be, will probably lower your cost and it'll help you lower your environmental footprint. That's great. Many people believe that implementing an environmental waste program into their business workflow will raise costs. How it is is not true and actually sustainable and a profitable solution. Yeah, it does feel like a cost for a lot of people. Maybe they're, you know, having to pay somebody to come haul away their materials or their trash or their hazardous material, right? And they like to, they look at it and say, I wish I didn't have to pay that money. But someone's got to pay for it, right? Someone's got to cover that cost. And, and there's a lot of things that happen that aren't covered in cost. If companies pollute into the air, you know, that affects people's health. And they end up, we see that people who Uh, like live closer to like coal-fired power plants have higher rates of asthma. And so they're getting medication for that and they're going to the hospital for asthma attacks more often. And they're paying for that cost, not the companies that are producing that pollutant that go in, that's going into the air. And so 
when we look at the cost, sometimes those externality costs are not covered fully by the businesses that are producing it. And so we want to make sure if we're going to have an economy and it's going to be based on mainly the economies of capitalism are based on money, then people have to pay their fair share. Um, exactly. So, Making accountable. Yes, exactly. And then so they can make the right decisions about what to do. But if they're only paying for half the cost, they're going to have a, the wrong perception about their impact. So we first want to try to get all the costs allocated to the right people who are causing those costs and causing those impacts. But the way to look at it is, is this also can help you highlight problems in your process. So when you have these costs, like let's say you're having to have someone pick up your dumpster three times a week. Well, what's going into the dumpster? And I bet you'll find that these are problems in your process, like you have scrap or you have defects that you're throwing away. Well, why don't we fix those problems through process improvement work so that you don't create those defects and you don't have to throw it away and then you can lower your cost. So I would say try to look at it in a different perspective so that you are seeing these as opportunities to lower your cost, not try to find a way of not paying for your uh, the impact that you're having. I got um, you. The other thing would be, you know, I think a lot of times people will just say, well, let me change out my light bulb. That'll be a good reduction. And that's great, you know, and, and you can go to more efficient light bulbs, for example, and that will lower your energy costs for sure. But what I'd like to encourage people to do is study how you use your lighting. Look at the lights themselves. Because I've, I've worked on some of these types of projects. And what we noticed when we actually studied the process was we are over lighting the space. We're putting way too much light than is necessary for the hallways and the office space. And so maybe we can not only replace the bulbs, but we can replace with fewer bulbs and still maintain the value that the employees want, which is being able to see their work and do their job. But do we need to have 10 light bulbs there? Maybe we can get away with five. And so not only can we lower costs, we can actually lower it even further by being smarter and more efficient about how we utilize these, these resources. It could be you have uh, one of the improvements I did, we had so many quality problems that we were going to buy two machines. And through improvement, we end up realizing we improved it so much, we only need to buy one machine. So that's a big improvement to the environment when you don't have to purchase an entire machine and have it run all day long, right? Another organization was looking at their, uh, they produce like homes and part of it, they have a lot of leftover wood scraps. And what they did is they came up with a process to better organize those scraps that allowed them to use those scraps as in the new products. And they cut down the amount of wood that was going into the landfill and that lowered costs. And they used less raw materials, which were lowering their overall costs too. So they just got smarter about how they organized their scrap pieces. So they put it by size in a nice, easy way for people to find and grab because before it was in a big pile and they're just like, forget it, it's not worth the effort. But if they just take a little bit of effort of putting it away nicely, they could reuse those wood pieces for future. And they cut down their wood costs. And right now in the U.S., the wood is really expensive because of COVID and everyone doing yeah. home projects and stuff. <laughs> so they're saving even more money now because of that. Yeah. So what is Kaizen and how? where does it come from and how does it relate to Lean Six Sigma? 
Yeah, Kaizen is uh, the Japanese word that kind of ties back to this word of continuous improvement. And they really focus in on small incremental improvements. So oftentimes when I talk to companies, they want to look at large, big improvements. We need a new database. We need a new system. We need to get new machines. We need a new building. And I want to encourage them to start small and say, let's just get go to the workers themselves and ask them, what do they need to do their job easier and simpler? And sometimes they'll say, I just want to hook to put my tool on when I'm done. Or can I get a chair that really lifts up and down because my back's hurting? Or can we move this a little bit closer because every day I walk back and forth? And let's start with those simple, small things that are easier to implement, that help the workers do their job safer, faster, easier, less struggle, less frustration from them. And then what we'll, we'll allow them to do is think more about the way they can do their job and they'll come up with even better ideas. So the idea is let's start small, let's do lots of small things instead of trying to do one big, large improvement. And what we'll find is we're probably gonna get better improvements by doing that than we try to throw, like I'll use the baseball analogy, we're, we're trying to hit home runs with these big projects and let's just hit a lot of singles and, and let's bunt and let's steal bases Let's use that approach instead of swinging for the fences. I got you. So how can environmentally concerned entrepreneurs benefit from implementing Lean Six Sigma? What I've seen that's really been powerful is there is cost reduction, for sure. If you can identify these environmental impacts that you're creating and focus some attention on them, you will be able to lower the cost because it's just not something people spend a lot of time looking at usually. They're focusing on the core business and they kind of forget about these uh, these impacts that are going on. They don't look at the trash and see what's going in there. They're not looking at the water bill very close. They're not looking at their electricity usage very much. So I think just focusing on that will allow you to lower costs. But what I've really noticed is that, the, and there's a lot of studies that support this, that employees want to know that their companies are doing the right thing. And so when you are focusing your attention on you know, environmental impacts, you're showing your employees, this is something we care about. And we're willing to spend time and effort on it. And companies like that. And they say, I like working for a company that cares about these types of things. So what you get is more engaged employees who end up being more productive. And they stick around longer because they like working for the company. Because they think that the company's doing the right things and they're proud to work there. So that's huge cost benefits for a company to retain employees or get more productivity out of them because they are excited about the work they're doing. There's also, you can lower your chance of getting a fine from your local government agency who finds that you weren't managing your processes very well and you were allowing things to go down your drain that you weren't supposed to, or you were sending things in the landfill that weren't supposed to go in there, like batteries or liquids or something. So you can avoid some of the risks if you have better focus on those things. I've also gotten some of the work we've done, we've gotten featured in the local paper. You know, how much does it cost to run an ad in your local newspaper and magazine or on a local, you know, newspaper website? And versus you got a free ad by showing that you were doing some uh, environmental projects. So you can get some free marketing and publicity for some of your work that would be expensive to do if you're just, you know, purchasing an ad for that. And you also get some small benefits by just educating your employees on, hey, this is what to look for. And this is where you shut off the power on that machine when you go at home at the end of the day. And this is where the light switches are that when you go on break or at lunch, just flip those lights off for 30 minutes. 
Those are small improvements, but those add up over time to save money. Or teach them how to spot air leaks in hoses or how to see notice water links or condensation on the water pipes where maybe there's a problem. Those are small things that you can educate your employees on that they can hopefully uh, help you identify issues when they're small before they become really big problems. Yeah, so how can get these started on these paths and where are the resources for these people, for those entrepreneurs? I would say for most people, you know, if they're not familiar with Lean or Six Sigma, I try to give a real simple high level overview, but I also put together a Lean uh, or a, a free course that is available for everybody. It's called Lean Six Sigma and the Environment. I took it yesterday. And yeah, so <laughs> I you signed up there. Um, yeah. So that's a great free resource to go through and learn about some of the yeah, it tools. Is, it is. And we go deeper into things like 5S and Value Stream and stuff like that. So um, that's definitely a, a great place to start. And that's why I created the course was a starting point for people new to Lean and Six Sigma who care about the environment. Another resource would be if you're just starting a business, like you're an entrepreneur and you don't have a, a full product ready to go yet or a service ready to roll out, there's a methodology called Lean Startup that is really good, that uses Lean principles to help entrepreneurs develop a product. So things awesome. like the MVP, that comes out of like Lean Startup methodology. And there's actually a book called Lean Startups for Social Change which mm -hmm. talks about how do you design and come up with a product or service that also is good for the community and good for the environment. So that'd be a good resource to check out. If you're already operating a business, then I would reach out to your local government agencies because they are trying to work with businesses and they are trying to be of assistance. And just say, this is what we're doing. If you don't mind having them come in and just look around, most of the time they're not there to find something wrong and get you in trouble, especially if you reach out to them first. You just say, hey, I'm looking to do my part. I'm trying to do the right thing. Can you help with your expertise? Can you come in and give us some tips or advice? Most of them would be happy to do that. And they love that you're being proactive rather than they find something wrong with what you're doing and try to come back later and, and uh, you're going to get in tr trouble for it later. So be proactive, reach out to those resources and ask for help. And that's going to usually get a positive response from them. And I also encourage organizations, even if you're small, to maybe set up a green team or encourage your employees to get together and have a green team where they can bring up ideas that they care about. And you can look for ways to, you know, do stuff with your cafeteria, or maybe they want to do a recycling project at work, or they want to figure out a way to change out the light bulbs but you can leverage your employees' ideas through this green team effort. And then if you have a large company, then reach out to your environment safety and health team or your facilities team, or if you have a Lean Six Sigma or process improvement team, reach out to them and say, here are some of our environmental issues. Can you assist us with these issues? Because they often are looking at these things a little more closely, or they can provide some facilitation skills or data analysis skills to help with that. 
I'm a hydrologist, and when I saw the the course and what I looked at it, you know, hydrology is more more an art than a science. It is, and mm-hmm. I saw that you in the Lin Six Sigma processes and everything. I mean, it's everything about a trained eye, where you see the weakness in the processes and that kind of thing. You know, I had a teacher that my best teacher, my mentor, that he used to take me to the river in a Saturday. And then when we came back to the classroom, he threw out a test and the test was four photographs. What's the problem here and how do you solve it? Mm. You understand what I'm saying? So you yeah. get freaked out, but he was training your eye. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. it's kind of, uh, you gotta have a trained eye, you know, cause you miss a lot of stuff if you don't look closely. It takes practice to spot yeah. the waste in your processes. And you'll look at it and you'll say, I don't see anything. Exactly. And over time, someone says, did you see that? Did you notice that? Yeah. Did you see where they walked back and forth three times? Did you see exactly. that they bent down three times? That's not good. We don't want them to do that. Did you see that they, someone got interrupted? You know, those are the things you, you practice over time and, and it, does, it doesn't come naturally. You have to work at it. But once you see it, it's like you can't not see it anymore. It's really powerful. Yeah, and yeah, yeah um, I know, I know, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, any gold nugget or advice that you have for our audience of environmentally concerned entrepreneurs? Yeah, I guess I'd say like, you know, the, just improving your processes is going to be good for your environmental impact. Like I said before, you know, if you cut out defects and make your products or services higher quality, you're gonna reduce less environmental impact, whether it's you don't have to stay as late to work on that project and leave the lights on and leave the heating and air conditioning running to, you know, actually not having as many defects you have to throw away. Another example would be like, I noticed sometimes that when we were receiving in parts when I worked at an aerospace company, they were wrapped up really tightly with a lot of bubble wrap and plastic wrap, and then they were taped up really tightly. And they would say, well, that stuff doesn't cost very much money. The tape is inexpensive. The wrap's not that expensive. And I said, but look at the labor. Look at how much time is being spent wrapping it. And then look at the time for the person who receives it and how much they have to unwrap. So that's, you know, the the cost may not be huge, but when you look at the time that people are dealing with that, it was five minutes on each, on both ends of that. Yeah, so that's 10 minutes of labor. Yeah. Yeah. And they're doing that over <laughs> and over again. And so... The waste was just a pile of plastic wrap sitting there and they just said that's light and it's small what's the big deal but what it did is it highlighted look for the process that went with that and let's look at that process and that's where we saw the struggle and the frustration of i can't get this thing open or i'm wrapping it so much i'm wasting time doing this it's overkill Uh, so let those environmental waste be a a guide to help you find process inefficiency Yes. Thank you, Brian. Learn more about how you can improve your result with process optimization with Earth Consultants at http lensexsigmaenvironment.org. Thank you so much for being with us this week. If you have some feedback you'd like to share, please leave a note in the comment section below. Do not forget to visit our Atlanta Watershed at landwaters.com for the best anonymous marketing software reviews. If you enjoyed this episode on implementing Lens 6 Sigma so you can improve your business bottom line while you hate the environment, please share it with your friends using the social media buttons. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite directory to get automatic episodes of Environmentally Concerned Nation. And finally, 
please take a minute or two to leave us an honest review and rating on iTunes. They help us when it comes to show's rankings. And I make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Please leave a review right now. Thanks for listening and may God bless you all. Thank you. Are you interested in learning more about Lean and Six Sigma? Or are you looking to expand your existing skills to apply them to environmental impacts at your work or in the local community? Check out our free online course called Lean Six Sigma and the Environment on thinkific.com. We'll teach you about the Lean Forms of Waste and Waste Walks, which stands for Water, Air Emissions, Solid Waste, Toxins, and Energy. We'll go over examples of reducing electricity and solid waste, teach you how to involve your facilities and environment safety and health personnel. We'll provide guidance on how to green your 5S and Lean Kaizen events and many other tools specific to finding environmental opportunities. Learn more at leansixsigmaenvironment.org.